some of my favourite films have been horror anthologies, the original Tales from the Crypt, the 1971, I think, and Asylum, 72, and then Creepshow, George Romero's Creepshow. It's one of my sort of favourites. So I was using those films as a basis, and we watched them. Do you think it's safe to ask them? Hear me, all you hosts gathered here. I think we're about ready. Quiet, everyone. Filth are my politics. Filth is my life. From the whispers of the damned, deep within the bowels of hell, welcome to Astro Radio Z. Doctor! Hear me now. All crimes should be treasured if they bring thee pleasure somehow.
Dan, this is all your fault. Oh, blame me. Sure. This podcast we are recording tonight on this cradle of filth fucking movie. Is that what it is? A cradle of filth commercial? Like a a cradle infomercial. (laughs) This movie is all your fault because last episode we were talking and I don't even think, think this clip made the podcast. I think it was on the outtakes episode. You started talking about out of nowhere cradle of fury (laughs) and because i think you and i in a lot of ways kind of ride the same wavelength about things i think immediately i was like oh we should do an episode on that you were like oh well we should do an episode on that (laughs) here it is self-fulfilling prophecies abound on astro radio z (laughs) here we are i Saw this movie when it was initially released in 2001. Promptly forgot about it. (laughs) And then, Dan, you decide to bring it back into my consciousness last episode. Are you happy that you brought this back into our consciousness as we are here now, episode 141, about to discuss Cradle of Fear? (laughs) Oh, I mean, I, yeah, I'm I'm glad I brought it up. If it was forgotten, then there's some things in here that need to be remembered. Obviously, there was something in here that made an impact. The fact that, you know, just seeing something triggers it in my mind. What was it? The subspecies episode and just something from yeah. subspecies triggers it like that. And automatically I'm thinking of this film that I only saw one time that yep. features a band that I really don't care for. And all of these things culminating into just this. So, yeah, whatever it was that triggered the memory, I mean, it, it needs to be seen because for everything, it, this is going to be kind of like a, you were talking about tangents. This is going to be kind of like running parallel with the bottom rack because we could pick this movie, obviously, off of the bottom rack. And I will just go ahead and say I will probably dog this thing in a funny and my charmingly boyish good humor in way, but I will probably rip this thing a new asshole. However, I do this, I will go ahead and preface this by saying I do it out of much respect because like I remember saying during the subspecies podcast is that it's been so long since I've seen this and little edge Lordy McLorderton Daniel watching this thing really did not give it a fair shake. Now, Normally, I'm a three to four shake kind of guy, but in this case, we'll leave it to one or two. You know, that's fine. Come on, slow get- it down. Slow it down. You're playing with yourself again. <laughs> yeah, let's not get too crazy here. However, as much as I did dog it, and you know, I think I was a little hasty, I have a much better perspective of it now. And yeah, I'll take the blame. <laughs> well, Hey, I also was Mr. Edge Lordy McGorehound back in the day, which is why Cradle of Fear was even on my radar. And if there are two things here on Astro Radio Z that should be self-evident, one is that if it's a heavy metal horror film, I am going to watch it. Damn right. And more than likely, it's going to be covered on the fucking show. And two, I'm a sucker for great practical gore effects and the movie we have for you guys tonight cradle of fear has both of these things (laughs) the gore is exquisite but it also has cradle of filth so (laughs) take that for what you will but we're gonna take a short break and when we come back 
Holy crap, Dan. <laughs> yeah, let's This is it. going to be an exorcism of the spirit. This is going to be a reunion that I'm not sure that I really need it. Well, let's go ahead because I need to preface it again. Now, look, I am I will admit even back that I was an ass. I mean, we probably all were, but like I fully admit I was an ass. I might still be, but I really try my best not to. But back when I saw this, I, if I didn't like the band, I made it a point to try to make everybody else not like it either. <laughs> you were that guy. Kind of, sort of. It's just, I don't know. Maybe I was to some people or something. It doesn't matter. But I like Cradle of Filth when Danny Filth shuts the fuck up. As an <laughs> instrumental band, they are like the black metal Cirque du Soleil musically. Yes. They are phenomenal. I cannot stand Danny Filth's vocal approach. I just, it has never jived with me. And I listen to an all Noth rock. <laughs> so I can, you know, discern between some vocals. Now, I just want to say again, when I rip and dog this, there's a lot of people that like Cradle of Filth. And for good reason, they are among the foundations of black metal. But just know this personally, I really don't care for them. <laughs> but I will not let that cloud my overall unbiased review of this. <laughs> I have to agree with you just to get the Cradle of Filth talk out of the way, because you and yeah. I both being black metal fans and listeners of Astro Radio Z, if you haven't noticed, there's a lot of black metal gets played on this thing. None of it has been Cradle of Filth until this episode. There's a reason for that. When I listen to Cradle of Filth, I don't even perceive them as black metal. And it's because of that vocal approach, the main reason I found them to be just completely impenetrable was, one, the fact that they release a fucking album every goddamn year, <laughs> and the albums are so goddamn fucking dense that it takes me a year just to discern what the fuck's going on in them. See, I like that about them, though, that aspect. That would be fine. If there wasn't constant and nonstop vocals, I know that's what kills me about this band. And I'm a fan of carcass. So I love the dual layered, super guttural and super high death vocals like aborted. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. And, and Cradle of Filth has both of those. But they're going at the same time, and they're constant. Like, I remember, this is going to be a weird tangent, because this is, we're going to have to do this. We can't even get into talking about this movie without having Cradle of Filth talk. Yeah, let's, let's, let's go ahead. I remember when Damnation in a Day came out. See, I love that one. <laughs> and the album starts, that first song kicks in, and you're just like, oh, fuck, this is good. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> non-stop, non-fucking stop. I I can't do it. I don't know his uh I don't know his last Chuck's last name, but Chuck from Ernest. All right, give Chuck Tourette's, but not the Tourette's where he can actually say anything. Then give him a microphone, like when he had the liver loaf launch a ranger and Ernest goes, it was like, that's the longest time, Eddie. Now, put him in a band, and that's Cradle of Filth. There you go, because he's like, and that's it. That's the whole freaking album. And it's a shame, because Damnation in a Day, to me, is 
that might actually be their best to me in my personal opinion because that song was a better to rain in hell that's when they actually started doing some catchy hooks unlike you know dusk and her embrace was probably their best using quotey fingers album that or midian but you know damnation in a day that took their whole concept they had concept they had production they had presentation they had everything and unfortunately they also had danny filth doing the vocals it just (laughs) <laughs> again please continue because i'm gonna keep it's a rat race and i'm gonna always end up back in the same place <laughs> well, and the thing about it is too is that you know danny phil seems like a, a nice dude like I, I like listening to him in interviews and yeah. he's a, he's obviously a horror fan it's just the approach with mm-hmm. the music because the music is so goddamn busy the new reissues of some of the old records have kind of given me a little bit more of appreciation of them because back in the day when they came out, it was a mixture of that second wave of black metal, you know, really lo-fi kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But Cradle of Filth has never been a really stripped down kind of band. They're a very grandiose orchestral Mm -hmm. behemoth. Like it's just, it's overindulgent in every way. And the, they just, remixed and re-put out their cruelty and the beast which is their uh bathory record. yeah that's one that had nick barker before he joined demo nick yeah. barker was a drummer so in case you didn't notice how fucking phenomenal the drums are in that album that's because you <laughs> you got nicholas barker on the drum set playing and that's why it just sounds like a constant non-stop wall of kick drum and snare because really no one could do blasts like him but yeah, nope. that, you're right. But you couldn't hear it. Like their initial record no. that came out sounded like trash. Yep. And they just, you know, remixed it, put it out there, and it sounds phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And when I heard that, I was just like, oh, maybe I was wrong about this. Maybe I kind of do like Cradle of Filth. And then I started going, and I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I I can't do this. I can't do a lot of people dog on me because I am a, you know, it, it's hard to justify being a fan of uh second wave of black metal stuff nowadays because all of the people are human wastes of space and neo-Nazis and all this other fucking nonsense that gets tied to it if if it's not Dark Throne. I don't give a shit. I don't I just listen to it, but I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. But I'm a fan of that music. Yeah. I, I love that music, and, and mostly because it's raw and kind of stripped down. Cradle Filth, just never been my thing. But that did not stop me in 2001 right, from going out and renting the movie we're going to talk about tonight. So, folks, let's take a break. And when we come back, Dan and I, now that we've gotten Cradle of Filth talk <laughs> out of the way, Done. we're going to talk about this shot on video anthology horror film yeah, yeah well obvi- I, I, it must have been shot on dv it obviously looks like a shot on mini dv it's definitely not shot on film in any way whatsoever <sighs> from 2001 directed by alex shandon cradle of fear we'll be right back <laughs> This is Astro Radio Z, and we love talking about movies with you. 
If you are looking for more episodes and want to become part of the show, go to patreon.com forward slash Astro Radio Z and become a monthly subscriber to have access to not only over 100 plus bonus episodes of content, but a monthly bonus episode of Astro Radio Z and censored with Mark the Movie Man where you, the listener tell us what to cover on the show. Jump in. Make Astro Radio Z yours and become a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com forward slash Astro Radio Z. Listening to Astro Radio Z. Sit down, Pete. We got the lab report. You're not going to like it. The fingerprint on the medallion is Kemper's. You're having a fucking laugh, aren't you, sir? I wish I was, Pete. But the lab's 100% sure. It's Kemper's. I've spoken to Dr. Ross at the hospital. Dr. Ross is a stupid cunt, sir. Don't listen to her. All right, Pete. I won't listen to her. I'll listen to you. Now tell me about Kemper. They say he can control people's minds. Bollocks. They say that to keep him in their hospital. A mad serial killer's good for funding. Kemper is not mad. Kemper was a professional hypnotist, a travelling stage act, a clever bastard. Get that light on. Remember, don't look in his eyes. He chose his young victims from among his audiences, hypnotising them on stage. 
in front of unsuspecting parents. The kids would perform their funny turns, then go back to their seats, unaware of the hidden phrases that Kemper had subliminally planted in their minds. All he had to do was telephone the child, say the trigger word, and the child would come to him. Kemper's reign of abduction and terror lasted over 25 years. For every rape and murder he was eventually charged with, there must be countless more. He used the children in sick, depraved rituals, all sorts of occult bollocks. Trying to emulate his father, infamous 30s Satanist Anthony Crawley. But whereas his father's dabblings in the occult brought him fame, fortune and success, Kemper's activities got him nothing. Not the power he craved, just an ever-increasing pile of bodies. Kemper turned to cannibalism to get rid of the evidence. Search every inch of this stinking cell. But his appetite for murder overtook his appetite for human flesh. And a neighbour reported the foul smell of uneaten remains. Let me talk to Kemper, sir. I'll get you some fucking answers. So, Dan, how did you come across Cradle of Fear when it initially released? Uh, all right. Me and my friend, I forget who it was. One of my friends, one of my wrestling buddies, whenever back whenever we were starting to talk about setting up a wrestling team and uh, getting the ring and everything, he he was a Cradle of Filth fan. And another friend of mine is a friend. You might have seen him on Facebook. His name's Kevin. He's a big Cradle fan. Well, somehow or another, the, the, this is back. Let me tell you kids of a time before the uh, Internet was all over everywhere. There was a point in time where we had everything. You could go to Dollar General and get an Atari 2600 game. You could get a cassette tape. You could get a VHS tape. You could go home and get on broadband Internet. You had satellite cable TV. We had all of this at once. I don't know why I'm going off on this tangent, but there was an urban legend at the time that Danny Filth was in a movie. It was a movie called Cradle of Fear, and it was supposed to be so freaking evil and gruesome and just, you know, it's the the kind of pomp and urban legend stuff that follows you at the lunchroom table in high school and middle school. It's one of the, the, it's the American Ninja kind of thing on the playground as a kid. There's just these movies that have all of this hype built around them. I had never heard of it. And my friend was like, yeah, it's called Cradle of Fear, Cradle of, I think he was calling it like his Crucible of Fearless or something like that. It's, we didn't really know the name. So we had to go to the library <laughs> and then go to B. Dalton at the mall and uh, try to ask around to find the name of it. It didn't take too long. We eventually found it because we had a Suncoast kids. What this store was, was it was a store that specialized in horrendously overpriced, jacked up bullshit movies because like get a VHS of like Tom Hanks and big cost you like $25 because it was at the mall. But anyway, we found Cradle of Fear at the mall and uh, my buddy picked it up. I think he paid $20 for the DVD and brought it to my house and we had a big popcorn pizza cradle of fear party that's how i found out about it was through that how about you oh man i was living on the west coast at the time that this was released and it in seattle where i was living is one of the meccas of video stores in our great nation called scarecrow video 
they've been floundering over the last five to 10 years with, you know, the advent of streaming and all that nonsense, which is basically obliterating everything that we, you know, grew up with. Mm-hmm. I mean, for the for the better. I mean, it let's let's be honest. The the amount of the wealth of things that are out there for you to consume now is so beyond what we could have even imagined back when Cradle of Fear came out. But right. I I saw it, and obviously being a metal fan and being a gore hound, I had read about this movie. I had I was on message boards at the time. So I I picked it up immediately and brought it home. And I do remember the first time that I watched this movie because that was we're talking early 20s, Derek. He was an edgelord goreound. <laughs> yep. He loved shit. <laughs> he, he didn't care about the story as much as he cared about getting that gore pop and having it be super nihilistic. And that first time I saw Cradle of Fear, it hit those marks for me. Big time. All these years later now, we're talking nearly, we're coming up on almost the 20-year anniversary of this movie. That's that's shocking. Can you believe that? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I survived that long. Unfucking real. I thought I I now sound like a grandpa <laughs> on my own podcast. But, anyways, uh coming back to this movie. You know, after all these years of digging deep and trying to find oddball shit and celebrating shot on video films, this film, it does a a few things for me. One, uh, Alex Shandon, who's the director of Cradle of Fear, he's known for in the underground scene in the shot on video scene for a movie he he directed in 1988 called Chainsaw Scumfuck. (laughs) Oh, boy. I'm not sure if you guys know what this is, Dan. I don't. Have you ever heard of Chainsaw Scumfuck? No, I can't say I have, Derek. That doesn't sound like something would have crossed for trans. So why don't you tell us about it? <laughs> so yes, Dan, I, I, I your judgy tone. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't heard about this one. Please tell me about Chainsaw Scumfuck. So if you're a fan of stuff from, you know, Germany, like the shot on video stuff from Olaf Ittenbach and, you know, Mr. Violent shit himself, Andreas Schnass, Chainsaw Scumfuck is right up your alley. It's the same. It's one of those movies where the director is young. They're into metal. They're into old school like Romero and Sam Raimi. And stuff like this. So references are abound. There's not much for story. There's <laughs> extremely nihilistic violence for no reason. And then it just ends. It's a short, like, I think 12 to 15 minute long movie. There's nothing to it. But it has a lot of charm. It is that kind of direct shot on video. Like, here's a VHS that you hand to your friends and say, hey, you got to see this. That back in oh, the day yeah. when you were young. You like relished it because it was a communal mm. thing. You like got together with your friends and you giggled over how gross it was. Oh, can you believe that happened? Ah! That's what Chainsaw Scumfuck is. Now, Cradle of Fear, while it still f- has that feeling of a shot on video extreme underground film, it has more production value in it than anything any of the directors that I had <laughs> referred to <laughs> have. In any of their movies. I mean, Olaf Ittenbach in some of his latter movies, like post uh, Burning Moon and stuff like that, 
definitely started to show some cinematic quality to the editing and the camera work and all that stuff. But nothing like what's on display here in Cradle of Fear. Now, Alex Shandon had done a few promo videos for Cradle of Filth before him and Danny Filth decided, you know what? We should make a movie together. That That sounds familiar to me because that's that's kind of how the last couple movies that I was attached to came to fruition. Oh, we do a lot of the same things. We should work together. So they decided to do what they could. And because of Danny Field's schedule and they were just, I, th- I believe this was during the Midian era where they were just starting to finally skyrocket. Like Cradle of Filth was really taken off. So it was really hard for them to like pin each other down to, because sh- movies, especially one that's two hours long, Dan, let's let's not shortchange the fact that Cradle of Fear is two hours long. Yeah, an indie film, two hours long. I even I commented on that like to myself. I was like, good God, this movie's long, especially for an indie flick. Yep. And to try and like lock down a recording artist and a touring artist that's actually popular to shoot for an entire film schedule on no budget. Cause I believe they had next to no budget. And that's why they decided to make an anthology film that they would get Danny filth here and there, like when they could, Hey Dan, can you come in? And his role in this movie is, is basically like in a wraparound segment where he's just this entity that goes around and kills things. He yeah. doesn't really speak at all or anything until the very end. But right. so him in cradle of filth, the, the band members, they, they have cameos here and there mm-hmm. throughout the film. But anyways, they decided to to make this film together. But it was mostly Alex Shannon that took this entire endeavor on his shoulders. I guess he had made a few films before this. He was the art director. He was in the art department for Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. So Guy yeah. might have had a play to you know help him out. Well, I mean, he's obviously a talented individual, and he took pride in his gore effects and the staging mm-hmm. of them he should he should this the the movie that we're going to talk about this cradle of fear looks like a million bucks for being a no budget shot on, on either dv or shot on video film mm-hmm. so for the most part this movie compared to the rest of the shot on video stuff we talk about here on uh astro radio z is head and shoulders production wise Way above, way, way, way above. And I, and I think, you know, we don't have to really sit and, and go on and on and on about how good this movie looks. What we need to go on and on and on about is what the fuck this movie is. <laughs> and the synopsis for Cradle of Fear is, oh, man, I'm going to I'm going to totally butcher this, Dan. So please interject at will. All right. Uh, what are you going to do? Read the synopsis? I had to read. I, I dude, when I was watching this and I'm trying, I'm taking notes. It's been nearly 20 years since I've seen this movie. It was a clusterfuck, like trying <laughs> to make sense of what the fuck's going on, because this movie's essentially four stories in a wraparound. Mm-hmm. Now, I read somewhere else where they consider the wraparound part of one of the stories. No, 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 no. There's four separate short stories with a wraparound that sort of dives in and out of them. And you and Dan, you and I will sit and really get down to whether or not it actually works with the stories they decided to write. But 
Right. That's the kind of movie we're talking about here. Now, the synopsis for this is, and you don't find this shit out until three quarters of the way through the fucking movie. (laughs) And we're talking again, listeners, two hour long movie, two hour long direct to video. You could only order this motherfucker on the Internet for a long time. Mm -hmm. Shot on DV film. This movie, the synopsis is imprisoned serial killer Kemper wreaking violence on those responsible for his capture gets a hold of a demon played by Danny Filth to go and enact his revenge upon the people that brought him to justice. Now, this Kemper guy was a person that was stealing children killing them and eating their bodies <laughs> i'm sorry to laugh it's freaking it does sound like a night keep album <laughs> yeah right i mean it sounds like some sick shit i would write but i mean that was a little more explicit i would imply it but i mean okay that's kind of cool we've set a mood <laughs> we don't find this out until halfway to three quarters of the way through this movie <laughs> and there's the problem. <laughs> I mean, but I don't want like a corn dog or a kid on a stick at the beginning. But I mean, give us something. Well, they don't even show any of that. It's all just in exposition because this Kemper guy is in an insane asylum, which they show uh, this this the exterior of this building with a badly comped computer graphic. <laughs> weird i was like i couldn't on i couldn't tell with the the way that they did that i couldn't tell if they had like printed something out and just quick glued it onto an existing sign or i i couldn't tell it just it looked out of place kind of like a boulder in a wily coyote cartoon that's about to move you know what i mean it it looked weird but i couldn't quite place it Yep, there is some CGI work in this movie that ranges between really bad like that and super oh. effective, super effective for a 2001 shot on DV film. I'll give it that. It certainly was that. If there's This movie is just it's an examine. It's a dichotomy because sometimes you will have the most exquisite gore gags and effects, and then other times you must absolute laughable see it like i can hear the asylum going yeah well they actually use that you know i sold them that 20 years ago it just there's some horrible cgi in this thing we'll get to it because there's some stuff we gotta talk about because it really made me laugh out loud but anyways so you have this story about the serial killer and you of course it's a procedural with some bumbling cop that didn't even need to be there. His inclusion in this movie is pointless. He's like an English Earl Hensman. <laughs> not Earl Hensman, Bill Hensman, the guy from Revenge of the Living Zombies, the, oh, yeah. the graveyard ghoul from Night of the Living Dead. That's yep. what this dude reminded me of, only he was English. Oh, yeah. Big time. Big time. So this guy, you start off, and of course, he's the, you know your typical burnout cop that has been trying to, you know, he put this guy away, but he's been haunted by Kemper. <laughs> they speak i'm sorry but he speaks with the accent okay 
I know I'm American. Everybody laugh at my Southern accent and everything. That's fine. But I'm American, damn it. Okay. You know, when you got a burnout cop, you got Michael Chickwis with no hair and like a raging liquor habit. You know, you got Bruce <laughs> Willett who like growls every time. It's like, you know, what's your name? It's been other VA Lobos. What is your name? He's like, I'm American, honey. My name don't mean shit. You know, just he's burnt out. You got this dude's. English accent is like, and he's burned out. It's like, oh, yes, I am quite tired of the police force. And it's like, oh, oh boy, everybody look out for Mr. Wiggins here. He's about to go crazy. Oh, dear. <laughs> Sorry. It's exactly it. There's no way it you is. can. And maybe that's, you know, that is a, a thing for me. And I've taught, there's so many people that I encounter in my regular life that love British television and they all, want, they all want to sell me on. Oh, Derek, you need to watch this Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, Sherlock Holmes gimmick. And they'll sit, I'll sit down. Like, you should. What? Oh, I've watched an episode of it, Dan. Right. <laughs> I, I, I got made. I, I was forced to watch this thing. And the whole time I'm just, I'm just checking my watch. Like, can I die now? Is this, <laughs> is this over? I, the sensibility because my mom always is like, Derek, oh, my God, the only streaming platform that I am oh, <laughs> I pay, no, I pay for is the British TV one. And I'm just like, why can't you get to sleep? Is you that might as well have Basil Fawlty in this thing. It's like, oh, let's go find the satanic childhood. Oh, when I said, over here. Yes, sir. Oh, my. He's going to summon the devil. Oh, dear. Yeah, he's such a burnout. I just sorry, I can't, I can't deal with it. <laughs> I don't believe it. Yeah, that's the thing. That's my long roundabout way of saying it just doesn't sell for me. I'm just totally checked out. So you have the movie starts with Bumble Cop. He's he's in this. Uh, this is the most unbelievable thing. It, it made me laugh so hard. He walks into a crime scene where this woman has been just disemboweled. Her guts are all over the fucking room. There's blood <laughs> caking the walls, which I, I believe I watched an interview behind the scenes of how they shot this first part. And I believe that this set was the upstairs of his mom's house. <laughs> like her bedroom, like Alex Shandon had asked her, Hey, can we shoot a scene here? You know, I'll clean it up. Don't worry. And I guess it was like, there's literally sealing the floor blood covering every inch of this room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so the cop comes into this room, the lady's on the bed and he, the, the other cops are just like, well, yeah, yeah, this is what, ha this is what happened. The bumble cop goes over, checks her pulse. Mind you, her guts are out of her body. <laughs> but where does he check it? <laughs> there, there's no need to check her pulse whatsoever. Then he goes down and starts grabbing her tits. I mean, Radu would be proud. Okay. I mean, this is the lesson. This might have been the catalyst, but no, but seriously, Radu would have been Brito. So I was like, oh, now grab the other one. <laughs> yeah, that's how we check the pulse. I mean, I've been doing it all wrong. Yeah. Well, obviously, every cop has been doing it wrong. If you just start grabbing corpses' tits left and right. And I was, I was expecting, you know, oh, is, 
is he like a, a medium? Is is this like how he, he's got to feel tits in order to like get an idea of what had happened? And that's exactly what happens. <laughs> All of a sudden, then we flash back in time. And the first story of this anthology happens. And <laughs> via a corpse tit grab. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Can you fucking believe this, Dan? I wish I were a boob whisperer. I mean, can you imagine the powers that you would have? Hey, 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 why don't you come over here? I'll tell you what you had to eat last week. Yeah, let me feel it. Uh, yeah, Taco Bell. <laughs> Next. <laughs> well, I wasn't aware that this was a thing. So <laughs> the first story, we flashback of, of the, the unfortunately me too'd corpse is this super hot chick that goes to a goth club. Can we comment on that? I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, go right ahead. This movie is just a case, is a showcase of like the most attractive natural women on the planet. Like they all congregated and women do. Well, apparently they do. Like when you see chicks this hot in film, like Asylum, they were grown in a lab to look that hot. <laughs> you know, I mean, I know this sounds me. You know what I mean though? Like their great care was taken to apply makeup and make them look that way. The women in this movie are naturally hot. They but don't no, have that no. much. It is not fair. I'm sorry. Please continue on. I just have to point out, cause I will probably say this many times throughout this. God damn. I agree. If there's anything you could say possibly about the women in this film, it's God damn the entire (laughs) time. Nothing but the most beautiful women, the entire movie, which you know what? First 10 minutes of this movie. Yeah. You got Bumble Cop and he's molesting this corpse. You have within the first 10 minutes, this passes the Roger Corman test. <laughs> There's extreme gore. Danny Filth rips open a bum's head at the beginning of this movie. Mm-hmm. And then we have a fully nude shower scene. 10 yeah. minutes into this movie, I'm like, holy fuck, this is awesome. <laughs> 10 minutes in. It, it's checking all the, the check marks off. So anyways, we flash back. The hot chick that's a corpse that's been molested, as we had said, by Bumble Cop is going to a goth club with her friend and they're both attempting to pick up dudes And this goth club, you know, is the type of the goth club that luckily for Danny filth plays cradle of filth. <laughs> I imagine they all do in London or they did at that time. She's hanging out. They had just snorted some cocaine and all of a sudden she catches eyes with Danny filth from across the bar. And he's sitting there in his most pasty cradle of filthy look. <laughs> She takes him home. They attempt to fuck. And all of a sudden she starts hallucinating that he's ripping into her guts and doing all this other shit. And she wakes up and he's gone. Then weird shit starts happening. She starts seeing corpses and like freaks and mutants all around the city. And she gets a hold of her friend like, oh, man, there's something going on. There's something in my belly. Something's going on. And so they go back to their go back to the apartment, which is the final death room. And (laughs) I can't believe I'm about to say this. (laughs) A fucking children's doll with spider legs forces it its way out of her belly. End of the story. 
try to think of that thing from Toy Story with the baby's head on it. And that's kind of what it was. It was like Sid got a hold of it and created it and it crawls out of her belly. It was bloody. <laughs> it was so bloody. I That scene was worth it. Like the first story, this first like 15 minutes of this film for pure Astro Radio Z, like if there was a scale for what I usually look for in these kind of movies, this checks off literally every check mark. Whenever you like was giving your rating, I would say on a bottom rack scale, I would give this one a solid eight out of 10. And that's just an arbitrary number. I have to dock points for the idiotic sound effects. <laughs> the entire movie. I couldn't tell if this movie wants to be serious or if it wants to be badass. Now, the cradle again, when Danny Filth is not singing. Cradle of Filth is some of the absolute best music. It is just a combination of black metal and gothic orchestra. And it really plays well as an underscore or as interludes, anything like that. But when you've got Danny Filth beating the shit out of people and all of a sudden you hear this cartoon bullet ricochet sound, they <laughs> used it six times. All right. And in the first 10 minutes, we have a shower scene, buckets of blood boobies a nice ass almost a full frontal nude shot and we had that dumbass bullet ricochet sound effect that was used <laughs> at least half a dozen times i'm sorry it's just that's why i have to dock a few points so other than that you are absolutely right i mean if the rest of the movie is this daniel's on board we're gonna do this other than the stupid sounds <laughs> well i was talking to the people that joined me in the group watch room and one of the members was really dog because he had initially seen this movie as well way back in the day and he's all oh, this movie is horse shit i'm like hey, hey let's slow it down let's give this a chance and the first 15 minutes of this movie i was like holy shit i take back everything i've ever said about this i'm really <laughs> into this that was me <laughs> <laughs> first 15 minutes of this movie not much of a story but it is surreal enough and it, it there's so many camera setups and the editing is so tight two of the things that as we go along talking about this movie that really start to become apparent is that the sound design of this movie is grab bag it mm. is all over the place because the visuals and the way this thing moves Holy shit, Shandon knocked it out of the park. It yeah. is for what this is. It is a hell of a production. There's tons of great blood. The writing isn't the tightest, but it doesn't necessarily have to be in this mm -hmm. kind of movie because it, as an anthology film, you're talking about short stories that literally are just setups for a big gag and then it's done. So yep. if you're not into it, you should just wait a couple minutes and it'll be done and something new is going to come on. And for the most part, it works with the first one. It's quick, it's dirty, it's grimy. Then the rest of the movie starts to happen. <laughs> we are introduced, not told, but we're introduced to Kemper, who is this guy hanging out in a mental asylum, and he cuts his thumb and presses uh, like some coin, which... Later, I guess, is his calling card. A little like the coin of Ziocles for you Friday the 13th, the series fans. It, it, I thought it was the exact coin. I've seen that symbol before. But. And somehow he's able to attach this to like a fish hook that gets taken up to yeah. 
the, like, the attic of, of this mental asylum where Danny Filth is hanging out. And we see that Mr. Grimy Kemper dude in the basement has a laundry list of dudes that he wants taken out. This is where it starts to break apart for me because I don't believe I, I understand where they're going with the wraparound where it's supposed to like Danny Filth is supposed to be like the crypt keeper, even though he doesn't talk. He is the connective tissue and glue in between these stories. And he's supposed to be taking us from one to the next one as there are victims and he's slightly integrated into it. But right. it just didn't work for me because we we have now he gets this list and we go to the next story, which is about these two girls that break into an old man's apartment to steal his money and the guy won't die. And it becomes bloody and there's back cro double crosses and backstabbings. And eventually one of them kills everybody else and they come back to life to kill her. Typical kind of like tales from the crypt, mm -hmm. tales from the dark side kind of story. You see the ending come from a mile away. It's gory. Again, there's another bloody nude bathtub scene. I know. Ain't it great? So it's it's checking off the, the check marks. <laughs> but then again, the setup from the first one with this Danny Filth in the Bumble Cop and the Kemper thing to this, it's just like all of a sudden we get to the story and it just hits a brick wall. It has nothing to do with anything that was set up. It doesn't explain it. It's hard for me to put to words like what happened with it. Why it just it didn't explain it. Now, I mean, I don't need you to hold my hand. But I kind of need to know the next building to go into. You know what I mean? I had to, that part you were talking about whenever, because the set design, I have to mention, in the asylum looked really cool. Oh, yeah. But that was part, to me, is one of the the dichotomies of this film. Is a, I can't tell what it wants to be. If it's not for that stupid, bullshit, library, stock-free sound effects, or that stupid, goofball, garage, two-step techno that the film oh, opens with. Yeah, no, dude, the, the literal, like, a drum and bass breakdown <laughs> that is a loop that goes on. Yeah, there's a whole, Yeah, there's a whole section of this film where that loop just keeps playing. I think right. the, the last story, like, half of that last story is just yeah. the same beat. And then you get, so we have that. Then we go into this urban gothic fantasy, but then you go into the boob grabbing medium cop. But then we're in an asylum that looks like it belongs in a totally different, like Clive Barker, Tim Burton yeah. kind of thing. It looked really cool. <laughs> I'm not saying it looked bad. It looked really good. So well, in fact, that it really, to me, didn't feel like it belonged in the same film because it looked so different. It Like they spent all of their time making that room and just went and scouted the locations for these other places. Somebody yep. spent a lot of time building that set. It looked And maybe it was like leftover from a Cradle of Filth video or whatever. But with the fish hooks, I had to stop and watch that part again because I didn't get it. I didn't get it either. Why is there a, a random hook that he's got this this coin of Zyocles and he just rubs his blood and then he reaches under, grabs a thing and puts it in? I, I didn't get that whole sequence. They didn't set it up at all. It's just this totally disconnected thing that tied to Danny Filth hanging out in an attic. Right. And they didn't tell me. I mean, we got a little piece of paper that tells you 
these people and we're like, oh, so I guess he's going to go and kill them. But it didn't tell us who those two chicks were or anything else in the next scene. Like that sequence with the two chicks and the burglary and everything, they didn't tell. Really? I don't recall finding out anything about that, like why that was even there. Why that was even happening. It just all of a sudden, boom, this was the because he had the names of the people he wanted killed and Mm -hmm. addresses. So the connective tissue that I caught, because I also had the same problem with you with this, was that I didn't understand where this came from. And the only connective tissue was that the address where these two girls go to rob is on that list. So that's why this is even a thing. All right. (laughs) Out of all of it, I'd have to, if I'm remembering right, that was probably like the most forgettable sequence was the the robbery thing because it was boy it was <laughs> that stupid chick she got dealt when she trips over the board and knocks herself out and it's like wow murphy's law huh? <laughs> it's like <laughs> stupidest most bad daniel luck i have been. like that's me if i'd ever rob a house and beat a dude to death with a candlestick a deaf guy mind you and share a tub with an insanely natural hot chick and then bludgeon her to death to double crawfish her and take the bunny in the cookie jar. And I'm a trip over a board on the way out and knock myself out. (laughs) (laughs) The whole thing was, it it, it was a dumb story, an extremely dumb story that the only reason we were able to sustain, because each of these like segue stories, the anthology stories are about 20 to 30 minutes a piece yeah. like it, somewhere between the 15 and 30 minute mark these things go and this thing goes on way too long <laughs> yeah bickering and then this old guy gets up and they beat they beat him up they stab him they do and he keeps coming back <laughs> i it just gave me hints of creep show too with the Thanks for the ride, lady. No, I'd you know, do another be a little more prescient with the times. Hey, got a light? Yeah. Hey man, got a light. Hey man, got a light. Sorry. Same <laughs> same thing, man. It so you knew what was gonna happen. You knew how this was all gonna resolve. The story was really forgettable. The women are insanely hot. There was some decent <laughs> gore, but then yeah. it just it just ends. And the next segue starts with Bumble Cop taking that coin out of her eye socket because she got stabbed with a broken bottle through her eye. So we have one story that's decent, second story that's kind of just filler. Yeah. Then we start the next segment with Danny Filth brutally ritualistically stabbing a fake cat. (laughs) <laughs> while while this cat that's obviously a stuffed cat and you hear in the soundtrack meows like meow, 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 and the cat's <laughs> not doing anything it's a fucking stuffed cat he then eats the innards after he stabs it and then we we finally third story in of a four-story movie this is the part where we find out what the wraparound means <laughs> we find out about kemper And we find about the connection to Danny Filth, who is only labeled as the man. The man. In this movie. Now, (laughs) up to this point, what did you think about Danny Filth 
and how he was integrated into this film and his persona. He looked cool. I'll give him that. Just as far as it, I get it, like back when Edgelord Daniel was watching it, it was like, he's stupid. Oh, he's playing a man this time. That's nice. But uh, and when I was watching it this time, I mean, I'm along for the ride. It's cool. It, you know, it is what it is. He... He didn't overact. Thank God he didn't talk all that much. They ADR'd one of his voices from, they took a sound clip from one of his albums and they overlay it while he's stabbing the cat. They layered that in there. So it was kind of goofball. But I mean, other than that, I mean, I see what he is. Like they're trying to use him to be this, you know, ghostly figure, you know, to go around. I was kind of wondering when he's going to kill somebody else. But that was because of the, you know, the second one, the burglary one really didn't go anywhere. So, yeah, I mean, I'm okay with it. I have no qualm with it so far. (laughs) Yeah, so far, for the most part, the movies acted well, even with Mm -hmm. that second story that was kind of a dud. I'm still entertained. Let me make no mistake. I am still entertained. When I watched this, there really wasn't a time all that often when I was truly bored. I really thoroughly enjoyed watching it this time, honestly. (laughs) But then (laughs) the third story happens. And folks, if you have ever wondered what it was like to run full speed into a brick wall, this is the point in, in a movie that would be the most direct metaphor for that. The third story is about this rich asshole that's driving around in his sports car and runs over a drunk bum, (laughs) goes home to his huge house with his insanely beautiful wife. I thought you were going to say his huge endowed wife. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's definitely the case. It proceeds to have, (laughs) have this beautiful lady lick his stump. Licks the knob, man. Licks the knob. He's an amputee because, of course, this is edgelord land. Not anymore, Garrett. (laughs) He attempts to have amputee sex, but can't do it because he's so ashamed of himself. Too far. You've gone too far, man. This scene, when when this beautiful lady, they're having this, you know, romantic, this looks like, you know, you're direct to, to fucking video Skinamax shit. And she starts licking the stump. I was just like, wow, this is something you don't see every day. (laughs) Yeah, it's one of those. For whatever reason, I saw in my head, I'm I'm just seeing Randall, Dante and Randall from Clerks, just sitting there probably watching the same thing. Randall just smacking his gum and Dante be like, what the fuck, Randall? (laughs) That's all I'm seeing in my head. I don't know why. It just... But yeah, when I'm watching that, because I mean, that's not, I mean, whoo, his wife, man. But yeah, she likes the nub, man. <laughs> it comes out of nowhere. Because out I of nowhere. To this point, the nub comes out of, uh, there's nubs I would rub all over for this woman. But this just came out of nowhere. Just, I'm not saying, look, people lose limbs all the time. That's fine. It's just Warner Brother. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, like most everything in this movie, it comes out of nowhere. 
and it's not set up. You have like the intro of this. This is why this movie just fall. This story in particular just falls flat is that you this movie starts with a character, which is this bum getting harassed by a bunch of assholes. They steal his booze and he's wasted and he gets then hit by this car. So they set up for like five minutes this bum <laughs> angle. What a and car. The, the bum dies only for us to then follow amputee dude. So yeah. why did you waste five minutes on this fucking drunk bum? What was the point of any of that? I'm for, it's like, this isn't the 80s, man. This is the kind of shit that happened in New York during 1981. This is the kind of setup that you need Michael Dudikoff for. That doesn't happen in 2001 in London when you make Cradle of Fear. That was just a completely pointless vignette. That, they, that had no bearing on it at I all. Anything. They never return. The only thing that it sets up is that our, our lead character for this story, which we could have guessed because he was in a movie called Cradle of Fear, is a heel. He's, <laughs> you know, every person in this movie is a piece of shit. You're right. No one in this film is likable. No, nobody. And the, the point of all these stories is, is that these are people that are about to die. So there's no real like tension that these people are going to make it out alive or even want for them to, because they're all awful people in very different ways. But this guy in particular is just a total pile of shit. So the story is about, you know, he, he's very self-conscious. He's been in an accident and his wife is trying to make the best of it, you know, after he's lost his leg, but he just cannot perform anymore and can't live. And he feels like half a man. So he goes to, a random doctor <laughs> and harasses him to the point where the doctor's like, yeah, if you find a leg, I could probably attach it. What doctor would ever allow you, would, would give you the advice like, if you could find a leg, I'll put it on you. Now look, you apparently don't know some of the people around here that I live around. Angelique could probably she. I'm sure she knows a couple too, but yeah, I mean, I can hear it in my head. Hell, you can find a leg. I can probably put it on for you. Come on. <laughs> it was, so, of course, people, what happens? <laughs> he goes to, to one of his old buddies and, and the way this guy's introduced fucking blew my mind. Kind of like the bumble cop that molests the corpse in order to figure out her story clairvoyantly. We're introduced to the guy who, of course, he's there to take his leg. First shot is this guy digging in his asshole in his kitchen. <laughs> Two fingers. Two fingers. Like knuckle deep. I mean, he's got the rusty, he's got the rusty claw. He's got like the dunkagen from that movie, The Quest. I mean, he's going to almost two knuckles deep in that thing, man. I mean, he's making himself something to eat in the kitchen. We have this wide master shot of him just in boxers and his figure straight up his asshole. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It, it it only it happens very momentarily, but what a weird way to introduce a character. Yeah, it's like, okay, I already don't like this guy. You know? <laughs> so, you just go make that toast and you go wash your hand. All right, go ahead. Nope. He doesn't wash it. Won't you go touch the doorknob too, you jerk? Yep. So, so, <laughs> Mister, I dig my own asshole. <laughs> of course, his whole entire apartment is covered in posters, including a cradle of filth poster. Well, yeah, naturally. Yeah, there are cradle filth posters everywhere in this movie. So the guy, the amputee, shows up, takes his leg, 
and gets that thing sewn on. Daniel, what do you think would happen after this point? In a normal world, where it's all out of it, I knew what I knew the setup. <laughs> in a normal world, none of this shit's gonna happen. I knew what they were going for. This is we've read this in scary stories. We've read this in those crappy little pulp anthology books that I love that I can't find anymore when I was a kid at the book fair. You knew it was gonna happen. As a matter of fact, it, it was almost an episode of Tales from the Crypt, yep. if I remember correctly. Yep. But yeah, so we get the new thing sewn on. And so now we have to do a training montage only instead of him being a man and treating that lovely, lovely wife of his the way that she should be treated. It's just a training montage of him trying to learn to walk or whatever with the most god awful stitch job. <laughs> Did you see the way that doc- again? I think the doctor studied medicine here. And not like in our really good Augusta Regional Medical Center or anything. I think he went down to the highway at the gas station and got with Clovis and studied medical science that way because he had like three loops on that. And whenever he has the leg and she walks in, like he didn't tell his wife about this medical procedure. So the whole setup for him getting that leg done was it like Aquatine when Shake got his surgery? <laughs> he goes with Carl and it's like, oh yeah, hold on, don't wait. You want to drink all of this and yeah, bite down on that, you know, so you don't swallow your tongue. <laughs> Why are we here? But yeah, he can't be practicing this normal, you know. So he doesn't tell his wife that he's getting a new leg. She just walks in. He's like, ah, surprise! And he's got a new leg that looks a completely different complexion. Than his rest of his body, and it's like got weird hairs on it. That's not normal. It just it looked really funny. That, was, and she, of course, she's wigging. Out. <laughs> well, she's understandably, crazy. understandably, she's like, "Oh, what the fuck?" And, and obviously, <laughs> obviously, any dude that that knows a guy, like, yeah, I'll, if you get a leg, I'll put that on there. Not a reputable guy. I'm for real. I got a pair of staplers and a duct tape. Yeah, come on back here. I'll get it for you. I mean, what the hell, dude? And then when he's walking, trying to learn to walk, he's doing like the Bill Cosby dance. You remember when the Cosby show used to come on and Bill Cosby's like doing the little mook foot walk or whatever. It's like, that's how the dude's walking. Trying to learn to walk on this thing is completely nonsensical at this point, honestly. And it's all in master shots. So it's this guy awkwardly walking in white pants, attempting (laughs) to look like he's hobbling along. And this insanely hot wife just, oh, I'm so supportive. Oh, come on. It it is dumb. It is just ludicrously hot. There is no way in hell she is going to say ludicrously hot, mind you. (laughs) So dumb. So, of course, what happens he starts having visions of the other guy because the leg is possessed by the other guy and starts turning on him. So one night he's going out with his wife. They're all decked to the nines and they're driving and the leg. This is where, again, they integrate Danny filth in the weirdest ways in this movie. Who cradle he, of filth or this movie? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in joke. this movie, all of a sudden they're driving and we see Danny Filth looking on from somewhere, like quote unquote the ether or whatever it is. And he takes possession of a leg and it twists around and they get in a horrible CGI 
crash <laughs> where they took a still of the car they were driving and then just digitally moved it around on the screen <laughs> i'm sorry that's the worst i watched what the hell alien versus hunter last summer for the mockbuster summer that shit looked like a Ridley Scott movie compared to this car wreck, dude. Oh, it's car wreck. It's I mean, Jesus God. <laughs> it has to be seen to be believed. If there's one scene, if you can find it on YouTube, you got to see this this car crash because it is literally a still that was moved around on top of a film. I'm something. There has to be a story behind. There's got to be a lot of stories behind this. There's got to be. There's got to be something behind that. There is no way they could have left that there unless it was a specific artistic flourish or if they just completely ran out of money. I just uh, they obviously I don't, I don't couldn't afford it. I don't think they could afford to do it practically. So this was the best bet. Let's try and make it work digitally. And with in, in 2001, this was probably for what they had at their disposal, the best they could do. And I'm sure at that time it's like, oh, that's passable. That's I mean. Mind you, folks, compared to some of the really no budget shit, this looks like gangbusters. This is like Transformers. Maybe I was harsh on that because it does. They don't come across as snobby at any point in this. It seems sincere, (laughs) but it is laughable. (laughs) It's extremely laughable. So anyways, the wife gets thrown from the car, dies, and he he starts stabbing himself to try and get rid of this this leg and the story just ends and you're you just spent like 20 plus minutes watching this complete turd of a story <laughs> it, it, it was mean, so fucking terrible yeah that one was it yeah that would just especially considering that so job that the doctor did he could have just like snipped three of the loops and the leg would have fallen right off anyway yeah it was off the gore was cool and it looked incredibly painful but nah nah just moved there was really no point in this whole segment honestly other than i mean it was you knew what was going to happen we knew what was going to happen as soon as he went and got the new leg it was like when he's going over there and he shoots the guy in the head it's like wow that was sudden waste of a good cradle of filth poster and then he opens up the (laughs) duffel bag and it's ice and it's like oh he's gonna do oh so the leg's gonna get possessed it's just like that episode from the second season tales from the crypt if i'm thinking right and it's or it's like idle hands only instead of rachel lee cook we got that really hot MILF woman. This is like what happens if you type in MILF and idle hands on Pornhub. This is what comes up. Is that woman. Uh, listeners, if you do do that, please Don't send do that. Don't send, tell him Daniel told you to do yeah, that. Send, send your search results to Astro Radio Z podcast at gmail.com and uh, address them to Daniel Edenfield and I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll post them to the All the Gimmicks group. Uh, so, but, but yeah, we can both agree the third story is complete horseshit. It's garbage. Um, it yeah. kills this movie. It kills this movie because the second story is not that good. And then the third story is just so stupid and so boring and so predictable it's it oh my god it was a chore to get through yeah you're right it's a brick wall it's uh johnny depp in that movie tusk it's just an immediate brick wall that just completely stops the film and it's just like hoping for gore and so while i'm watching it 
I didn't realize how bored and stupid the thing was until it was over. It's like, oh, thank God, you know, because then I'm I'm sitting there, you know, phone surfing, grinding the phone a little bit. And then I look at the runtime. It's like, damn, more an hour and a half. Yeah, there's a, it was an hour and a half at that point when it finally finished. And oh, we still had 30 minutes to go of this mm-hmm. movie. So we get to the last story. So Kemper is now psychically fucking with people. The the goddamn asylum is in on it. Uh, people are dying. Now they they lock him up and put some goddamn leather gimmick all over his face. <laughs> then we find out that Bumble Cop has a son that's in that's on the list that's in trouble. And he can't get to him in time. So we get to the third story, which one of the the people that were in the the chat when we were watching the group watch claimed this was his favorite story. It's now, a good the, from from an actual writing standpoint, this is the most straightforward thing that's in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the The third story is a gaggle fuck of four different ideas that doesn't work. The second story is one idea that goes nowhere. And the first story is barely even an idea. <laughs> but it's the one I like the best. Right. Because it reminded me mostly of Chains- Chainsaw Scumfuck. The, the first, first story, story is, is a cradle of filth lyric put to yep. a film. Yep. So the fourth story is about the Bumble Cop's son, Richard, who I guess for a job searches the Internet. Yeah, I couldn't quite figure out what that was all about. Remember that me telling you kids that magical time in the 2000s, the turn of the millennium, there were things called like Internet cafes that we'll find out all about that, too. But I couldn't really figure out what this dude was doing unless he was like the IT coordinator or whatever, or if he was in charge of like cybersecurity or networking or something. I think think he was in charge of like trying to flag sites. I mean, that'd be the only reason he would have access to those sites. You know yeah. what I mean? So he he's really into real death and torture. And he has this girl that he's slightly dating at work that comes over and can't believe, you know, the things he has to sit and look at all day. Because I believe they work for like a search engine and he's got to sit and flag sites. So that I think that's don't. what it was. He works for a search engine. Yep. And so they don't. So they don't pop up and he's he's totally into it. And there's just like these little hints that maybe he does a little bit more than that. So he finds this website called The Sick Room, which is a which is a site that's a snuff site, a real murder site where you watch people stuck in torture chambers and you get to tell the site owners what you want to do to this person. And you have to pay money in order to do so now. Half of this movie, this at least this story, is about Richard trying to find the URL to this site <laughs> because they keep changing the URL. He keeps getting booted off of it, and he keeps trying. So literally, there's like 20 minutes of this short story or this short film is about a guy trying to log into a website. <laughs> it drove me fucking nuts. Yeah, so, for real. This is what we're going to do. This it just there's at least 10 minutes of this guy typing different addresses into the URL. 
<laughs> trying all kinds of words, filth and Satan and sick. And and yeah, <laughs> like real, real edge lord stuff here, man. So stupid. So anyways, so he gets frustrated. He takes this girl out on a date. And then I guess in a side tangent that uh, goes nowhere, she gets he beats her up and tortures her. Yeah, I guess so. And like nothing happens to it. I mean, it's not shown. She doesn't show up to work. One of the co-workers goes to find her because she doesn't come into work for three days. And she's just mangled. And he went all Patrick Bateman on her or something. And yeah, now she won't even go back to work or not. I just, I don't know. I find that completely ludicrous. I always have. I remember that scene even back when I saw it the first time. Nowadays, I find it absolutely laughable. There's no way. <laughs> Girls down here, <laughs> there's no, they do that to you, okay? <laughs> Women down here, <laughs> you don't behave yourself. They will do that to you on a date. And if they don't, your mama will if you don't say yes, ma'am. Or no ma'am. You remember your ma'ams, you open the door for a lady because if you don't, that that's you. Okay, that shit don't happen. <laughs> I no. just I can't relate with that. It's it's nah. Little nah didn't didn't quite work. But I well, get it. Well, nothing there's no consequence to it. Right. Like he he definitely did something to her. The coworker knows it. She tells it to the boss. And then nothing happens. So I again, it's just to show that he's sick. Like, well, I mean, well, we get that, but like, yeah, yeah. he's a sick fuck. I we think under, we understand that, you know, this is, there's a screw loose in him. But again, it's another example in this two hour long shot on DV anthology <laughs> film where side tangents that could have just been left on the cutting room floor to streamline this thing. There's just too many divergent things that happen in this movie that really don't even need to be there. We get the point. You're overcomplicating things. So anyways, he then, of course, logs into this site. And you've seen this now 20 years later. Maybe this was unique back in 2001, but this story has been done so many times. So he finally logs in. He spends, he gets fired from his job because he's obsessed with this. He loses everything because when he finally logs in and he starts to pay for stabbings and beatings and all this stuff. Did you it, see that shit? It's like a, like almost two grand a fucking pop. And I don't think so. So they repossess everything in his house. So he, <laughs> and, and, and of course, the internet provider and the people that are paying for, no questions asked, like, where is this money going towards? <laughs> yeah, you can tell he's a, you can tell he's over there too because they just don't even politely say anything. It's like, oh, yes, they come in and take his stuff and leave and just leave him squatting in the house and put a for sale sign and he emerges <laughs> like, oh, you emerged very well. Top of the yep. day. Yep. You know. yep. Oh, go back to go back to your website where you're killing people. So oh, yeah, if it's video, I can't relate with any of this. It's so <laughs> stupid and nonsensical. So of course, what happens? He loses everything. Lives at an internet cafe where I guess he doesn't have to pay for anything, and he can just sit and look at torture sites all day. <laughs> and he, of course gets contacted and becomes a victim in in the fucking on the sick room and then dies. So it's the story. You knew what was going to happen. You know what was going on of all the stories. Was this your favorite one, Dan? I don't think it was my favorite, but this 
you you mentioned before how you know we've seen this done before you know we we knew how this was going to play out but i will say yeah we've seen this because other movies saw this and ripped it from what i remember this is the first this was the first time i saw this and i i mean i don't know i'm no film historian but i would like to say i mean i'd probably even bet a little money on that this is one of if not the first instance that we have seen this on film like this was i don't know what it is about it i just i just kind of struck a chord with this is the part i remember just from years ago from seeing it but this is like some serious philip k dick stuff here like total recall you know, Orwellian future prognostication stuff, just for someone to have this, for, for someone to be that sick in the head, <laughs> to know that this is where society potentially could go. Like, we haven't seen this kind of foreshadowing really since Max Headroom. Like, that show gave us a whole lot of bad shit that the world really wasn't ready to to face down or to even talk about at the time. So we just buried Max Headroom and we give it a season to move on. I feel like this movie did the same thing because no one else at the time was doing it. Now, afterward, we get it. What's that movie? Uh, you get Fear.com. And then there was the other one called FearNet, which was essentially sort of the same thing. Right. And then I think we saw a couple of TV shows where they hinted at. It. I'm sure LA Law did or whatever, but to also, my knowledge, Hostel 3 also. There you go. Yeah. So, to my knowledge, this is the first one to ever actually do that. Just that point and click, drop down menu, a la carte torture. I mean, it's freaking sick and visionary. And I mean, it is <laughs> certainly not good, but that's the only thing that I'll add to it is I, I don't know if it's my favorite watching it now. It's not my favorite. Actually, my favorite was the the last scene just because of finally it starts giving us some some of the subject matter and what we're dealing with. And, you know, I'm real big into the story stuff. But but I remember as a kid, this or as a kid, whenever I watched it before, you know, this is the part that really stuck with me. Just seeing them do that and you, you knew what was going to happen yeah and when it happened you know kind of the gotcha moment when the lights come on and he's actually in the cell it was like oh <laughs> cool you know it's like tales from the crypt but man just the setup and the the premise of the story itself i mean that was just incredibly unique to me it still is for me having now now that we're like almost 20 years out from this movie i think initially when i saw it course yeah there hadn't been much like this now all these years later so many people have done this exact story that watching this you knew the beats you knew what was Mm going to happen you've seen it before i could say that about literally everything in this movie other than the wraparound yeah Yeah. other than the wraparound you uh, these were riffs on other stories that had already been done or maybe so. after this, maybe we have just seen so much that we've seen this stuff. Before. I would just think it's a shame because, yeah, all the other ones were riffing on something else. Like I said, it's basically watching a Tales from the Crypt made in England. But if this story is unique, I just I would like for, you know, if it is the first one or so, I just I'd like to see somebody get some recognition. Like if this is the first one, I would like that credit to be given. Because whoever did it deserve now if they just ripped off from somebody else, then okay, fine. We just put in the rest of the heat and we keep moving. That's yep. all. It just and for it to be that unique of a story. Because yeah, like I said, how many people have riffed on this 
since then, how many times have we seen it that has become so old and it's just, yeah, we know what's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. Well, somebody had to do it first. And that's just, I would like, you know, if this is the one that did it first, I will give it credit for being that first one, the innovator of it. But if not, then whatever. <laughs> I, I guess your mileage is going to vary with, with this one. It seemed to be popular in the group watch when we watched this. Um, it's, I would probably say, the most straightforward thing that's in this it's movie. It's cool. It's got, you said it. It's got shades of hostile. It's your pre-torture porn era. So it's tolerable. And it just, and it's, yeah, it goes on entirely too long. However, it doesn't go on too long like Hostile or Touristos or all the other bullshit yeah. torture porn stuff. This is just nice, compact for what it is and move on. I mean, yep. hell, who knows? Eli Roth probably saw it and was like, hey, I'm going to make a movie about it. And he goes and makes like 30 million torture porn movies and stuff. So, I mean, I don't know. That's I'm just kind of curious as to which one did it first. That's all. So this story ends and then we get to... This insane finale. Finally. Where, where, <laughs> where Bumble Cop decides, you know what? I'm tired of moping around and not, not accomplishing anything. I'm just going to take my gun and go kill Kemper at the asylum. <laughs> so they wind up at this asylum. He gets somehow gets, you know, forces his way into Kemper's cell and they start shooting. Danny Filth warps into the room. And everyone starts horrifically dying, dismembered, <laughs> disemboweled, all, all this fucking shit. And one of the hands down greatest effects I've seen. And even, I mean, regards the fact that, yeah, it probably, it just, it doesn't hold up as well as it used to. Danny Filth gets his head blown clean fucking off. Like half of his head explodes. And it's for practical gore effects mixed with digital. It's amazing. Yeah. For when it came out, that looked really good for them to blend the two that way. Yeah, you're right. Then a fucking spider starts coming out of his skull, his, his like <laughs> stump. And there's half of his head that's been comped. And this digital spider, these legs going out of his head. That literally is one of the coolest fucking things I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, like it was straight up Lovecraft with that one. I remember first watching this movie thinking, wow, that is a hell of a fucking shot. And now all these years later, the impact is not lost on me whatsoever. It is the highlight of this movie. If there was if you could do like a supercut gore reel from this movie, I bet you this film would have a lot more fans. Oh, yeah. But the fact that, that you got to literally slug through two hours to get to this shot. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> my God. I was just by the end of this, all the things that I liked about it had kind of washed away because there's no reason any no budget movie needs to be two hours long. Like none especially with a bunch of stories that you've already seen before that you know where they're going with people that are okay actors it just didn't do anything for me so this this final conclusion dan i know you were super excited about this 
did this mm-hmm. did this bring your spirits back up by the end that, of the yeah man there was a payoff it was cool it danny phil morphing in this is another part where i had to back it up and double check he apparently was either disguised as one of those guards or he just you know morphed into the guard we just weren't privy to when that happened because it shows real quick it shows there just there's a quick cut where it shows him with the riot gear you can see him in there so that's how he appeared in there why whatever i don't know but yeah the payoff was great man there's some serious dude you got disemboweling vivisections left and right this is like if john cleese had a cooking show where he was dismembering people i imagine this is what it would look like and all you would hear is just his voice superimposed over everything while you got Danny Filth just carving people up. It was great. They didn't use that stupid bullet ricochet sound effect anymore. <laughs> it was just straight up gore. And if I recall correctly, it started actually giving us some decent metal. Like, yeah. this was, we get, and not even like, it, it, normally you would think if it was like, finally got some metal going, who want to gore people up? You would think it would be stupid. Like, a traces of death kind of cheese but for whatever this actually worked like the way that the music flowed in and it went because it that little two-step garage dubby shit was gone and the underscores which at when they used them the underscores and atmospheric ambience were incredible as well but then all of a sudden it just transitions into the metal and you just get some nice, good riffage while Danny Filth, while they just let Danny Filth dismember people. It was great. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the clunkiest things. And I know we I think we had said this before is the music in this movie because it transitions between this, you know, cradle of filth stuff with stock music and the stock mm-hmm. music just doesn't work. And the sound effects are all cheesy and they bring down any of the seriousness. It just kills, undercuts everything. And this final scene, if the whole movie had been like this, yeah, dude, you would get the highest of all Astro Radio Z recommendations for this movie. For real. So I, mean, I, even, I made a note, and it's just this is a word to anybody in indie film. because, And, I mean, you know, we're riffing on this. Of course, it's been 20 years since it came out anyway. But, you know, to indie filmmakers, let me just personally. Now, if you want me to score your film, look me up. I'd be more than happy to talk to you, whoever, sound design, whatever. But this is my note. I tell people all the time, if your movie looks bad, eh, you can kind of forgive it. I mean, look at Blair Witch or, you know, you could just use, call it an artistic flourish. If your movie looks bad, whatever. If your movie sounds bad, it's shit. Yeah, it it is that sadly it is what it is. As you've said it years ago when we first met, there it's a thankless job. It it just it is what it is. So here's the word to all filmmakers: if you use those standard sound libraries, I'm gonna know it, and anybody in sound is gonna know it, and anybody who frequents movies is gonna know it, and you you will psychologically get points deducted from your film because I, I guarantee you, it's the same. If you use that stupid snarling demon from doom in your movie, like tales from the crypt has done like any other name, your movie, when they use that same sound effect for doom, it's psychological. It docks points. It's the same with goofy sound libraries. It just, it taints the film. It makes you appear amateurish, hire a composer. It doesn't have to be me. You can go on Fiverr. Hire a composer to do you some sound effects. I could do you some in a day. 
I would charge you 20 bucks. Hell, I'd probably do it for free to be in a badass movie. Just try, that's just I, a little word I have to add in because I made a note to type it in my notes here. Just a word to you filmmakers. Just give some different sounds. I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, we can start wrapping this up. At the end of the day, that's kind of like the downfall of this movie is that no matter what you say about the fact that, you know, for a no budget film, this thing looks head and shoulders above the vast majority of the same stuff. Like, yeah, it's peers. This is this is definitely on the top shelf of it. Production wise, it's really enjoyable in that capacity to watch. But there are so many little things in when you have a two hour movie like this that become apparent just start really dragging everything down and the the sound design and score of this movie become almost grating to where you're just like oh man here's this fucking drum and bass loop all over again it's too manic it's it's too manic but it's also at the same time it's kind of cheese dick yeah there's stock sounds it doesn't work you hear Cradle of Phil's orchestra. You'll hear you hear Dusk and her embrace. You you actually hear, and I think it was a like a promo track or so. I've, I'm thinking that you hear like a couple of riffs that they even eventually used in Damnation in a Day. So you hear that now. Cradle of Filth are phenomenal instrumentalists. If anything, I mean they're a hell of a band. They've been around for two decades, three now. So I mean, you go from that to this stock library two step bullshit, and it. So you talk about hitting a brick wall. It really does. It drags your film. Yeah. So I want to recommend this movie to people. I I do because I don't think it's awful. I think it gets dogged a lot. It does. And I think a lot of it is the Cradle of Filth Association. And it shouldn't. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen. But for two hours, it, it is kind of a tough recommend. Let's break it down again for the final time. Great gore, mm-hmm. great cinematography, mm-hmm. great editing, amazingly beautiful women naked <laughs> everywhere. But whew, the bads, stock stories that you've seen before and interpreted and, and elongated in ways that there is just totally unnecessary. Horrible sound design and stock sound effects and that bloated runtime. These factors for me just unfortunately are like the death knell of this thing. When at the end of the day, how are you coming out on this, Dan? It's been almost 20 years since I've seen it. So I, I only saw it one time when I saw it years ago. So I mean, credit to the film for me to remember parts of it this long. I mean, I'm going to recommend it. it th- you need to see this. I am all I'm for the indies. And I mean, there is a lot of professional work. There's a lot of work in here by an I don't know who all was involved in it, like as far as the full cast and crew. But as far as like making the film, the cinematography is great and everything. There's just a couple of missteps, a couple of what we call, you know, amateurish things that is I kind of I would hope that the guy kept going, whatever his name is, uh, Chan, Alex Shandon. Alex Shandon. I hope he- I hope he stayed with it. I will say you need to watch this film. Now, don't watch it every year. Certainly, this is not, I mean, maybe it is, but I, for me, you know, 
20 years, that's a long enough time to pass. I could watch it again. And I actually really dug it this time. 20 years ago, Edgelord McGee here. No. <laughs> no, I watched it today. I enjoyed it. It was a bit beefy. And I mean, you know, time is valuable. So just go in knowing this, you've got two hours and the credit crawl is only about a minute. So you've yep. got two hours and four minutes of a film. So it's an investment for time. But if you're with friends, got nothing else to do, want to listen to some, you know, want to hear some snippets of Cradle. Maybe you'd be like, dude, I used to love them. Or, you know, you want to watch, be like, man, I remember hanging around at Hot Topic and you hear Cradle of Filth or something. Watch it. You know, maybe it'll bring back some good memories. The yeah. gore. Maybe you'll get inspired by the gore or the fact that this was shot on video. Get you a camera and go make your freaking movie because this dude did it with like, two pounds and a cup of coffee. So, I mean, it it can be done. (laughs) It's obvious that this was a labor of love for Alex Shandon. Like his hand is everywhere. And I'm sure he did the vast majority of everything with the post, with with everything. So for that, a huge recommend for him. Like, wow, you did an amazing job with this. It's okay. I really don't think it deserves the dogging that it gets on the internet and from people. So I would say, yeah, If you had nothing to do and you like anthology movies, check this out. There are a lot worse ones. You've sat here and listened to us thus far. And if anything that we have talked about has piqued your curiosity or tickled your fancy, it's worth watching. Trust me, because we can describe it, but watch it. If you, you know, you like the way we're talking about the gore or the unnaturally, naturally hot women, like, Hardly any makeup on these chicks at all. These are just naturally gorgeous chicks. Watch it. Or if you want to see some really cool gore or hear a couple of seconds of some cool Cradle of Filth songs, you'll you'll like it. (laughs) I have to say, the box art would... I mean, that's just awful. Terrible. That box art, almost the worst part about this film. It's just that and the stock sound effects. Yeah, that, that box art is atrocious. It, glad this isn't a bottom rack episode. Or maybe it's a good thing because I will say the movie delivers a whole lot more than the box art tells you. Not a bad movie. So uh, we'll we'll leave it at that. If you're, you're fans of low-budge anthologies with ultra gore, like you like the, the German ultra gore stuff that I had talked about before – there's stuff to like here. It's not yeah. as bad as everyone says. So we're going to take a break. We're wrapping up Cradle of Fear. I'm glad we went back to this. Me too. I've, I've been meaning to watch it for years, and it wasn't an awful experience. There were two stories that were kind of stupid to me, but for the most part, I enjoyed myself. So yeah, I'd go another 20 years without seeing it. I'll be fine. Oh, I'm hoping I'll be dead by that point. So I know I got to. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> So, anyways, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back. Come in, damn it. You're sure a punctual bastard. Hey there, smut lovers. Balls deep in a dirty little addiction to movies where werewolves kidnap and rape women for Dracula? Or perhaps you're a kinky pink freak who loves to watch mad men and women tie up and punish unsuspecting suckers, pouring hot wax on their aching naked flesh and driving them around the living room like pretty little ponies? Wait, I know. 
You love nothing more than a sweet, topless self-flagellation session before the cross following oral indiscretions with a saucy, satanic sister, you secret nunsploitation fan. We cordially invite your sinful self to join our shameless selves for the podcast at Orgy Castle. Exercise all that salty deviance from your system with hosts Paula and Derek as they pick one smutty film a week to indulge in and discuss. The podcast at Orgy Castle is on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and anywhere you can find podcasts. Go. Subscribe. Come as many times as you want. Nobody will know but you and your headphones. You are listening to Astro Radio Z.
this is the portion of the show where my guests shamelessly show the fuck out of you, Mr. Daniel Edenfield. What do you have to show to my audience? Oh, God. Um, well, my record label, uh, Obsidian Relic, just go to obsidianrelicrecords.bandcamp.com and I have death metal, black metal, and dark ambient stuff. I've all sold out. I've got some dark ambient CDs for Obsidian Relic came out and uh, in two weeks, the new Saragost album, The Dark Sun, will release on tape. And then next month, uh, the new debut for Serpentis will release on tape. And then stay tuned for, uh, I got some really cool coming in October. And then, oh yeah, and there's a Mockbuster Summer coming up for too long. So, so stay tuned. I got, yeah, I got to ask you, can you give us a hint of what's going to be covered this Mockbuster Summer? Um, let me see. I'm trying to think. Um, big things. Big things will be covered. Okay. It, uh, the Earth Defense Force, we kind of broke apart last year and kind of doing our own little thing and, you know, with minimal interaction. So I don't know if the Force will be able to get back together to overcome trials, conflicts, tribulations, but we'll see. But, uh, yeah. Something. Oh, let me. Hold on. Let's see if I can. <laughs> Something big's coming. <laughs> Stay tuned for your trailers. Whoa, what was that sound effect again? Well, you know, you'll have the... <laughs> you know, you always had the bass drop, then you gotta like... No! And then... This summer... It's coming. What's your summer? <laughs> I love it. So, well, thanks, <laughs> thanks for joining me again on uh, the podcast, Dan and, and listeners. Next episode, I am be joined by my bud Eric, and we're going to talk about a new shot on video film that I discovered via Twitter uh, called The Head. So, uh, I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Astro Radio Z. Astro Radio Z 141 touched a corpse's breast to produce this episode which was hosted, amputated, run over by a pompous asshole, and edited by Derek Carey, and Daniel Edenfield. For more information, and to talk to the hosts online, join the All The Gimmicks Facebook group, and slash or find us on Twitter at Astro Radio Z. Music played on this episode which we urge you to go purchase and support can be purchased through the supporting links provided in the show notes. Cradle of Filth, Cruelty Broth the Orchids. Rat Bat Spider, Halloween 365. Ornasi Pazuzu, Tiyadin Sacramenti. If you would like to hear more than your regular releases of Astro Radio Z, go over to our Patreon page. For the low price of $1 a month, you will receive monthly bonus episodes and much more. Check out what we have to offer and join us for the ultimate ours experience at patreon.com forward slash astro radio Z. Enjoy the remaining moments of your mortal existence. Astro Zombies Astro Radio Z will return next month, from the bowels of hell to your blown out speakers. <laughs> <laughs>